God, so the Bible says, is a God of new beginnings. But sometimes we wonder. Paul Simon, the singer-songwriter from Summer and Garfunkel, just released an album. He's in his 80s, and it's called Seven Psalms. It ends with the word Amen. He's reflecting on what he calls the great migration from life to death. And he has this haunting line, I have my reasons for doubt. A white light eases the pain. Two billion heartbeats and out. Or does it begin again? And I say that because one of the heartbeats that stopped this last weekend, as you may well know, belonged to a man named Tim Keller. Tim Keller was a pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City, an author and a thinker, one of the most uh, helpful and influential minds, spokespersons for Jesus in our day. And one of many challenges in his absence is if we all were going to look for anybody to talk about Tim Keller and his life and how should we think it, how should we hold, how should we grieve, how should we hope, what should we learn, the person that we would all want to do that is Tim Keller, but he's not here to do it. Um, I first heard him back in the 90s, and he had not started to write yet, Uh but I heard him talk about the prodigal son, and his mind was so unbelievably powerful. One of the strong distinctives of Tim's life and ministry was that he deeply believed in the truth of the gospel and the truth that Jesus told, and he very confidently allowed just the simplicity of that truth to win the day. Um, he was not cool. I was thinking, Another voice that has influenced many of us, another profound mind, belonged to Dallas Willard. Interestingly, Tim died of pancreatic cancer 10 years to the month after Dallas Willard died of pancreatic cancer. And uh, I don't think either of the two of them was ever called cool in their life. And at a time when a lot of pastors were trying to build ministries around being cool, they just let the truth and the life of Jesus shine through them. How might I do that? And then uh, Tim had a great heart for the city. And when I was starting on a ministry, very often a lot of folks would go into pastoral ministry and try to build great big mall-like churches in the suburbs. Really, Tim was more than anybody else the person who talked about having a heart for the city and how the Apostle Paul was somebody who had a heart for the cities of his day, wanted so badly to get to Rome before he died, because it is so important to try to reach the city. God loves everybody, but he's got a heart for the city because there's so many people there. And Tim led the way. And my wife now, Nancy, leads a ministry, Transforming the Bay with Christ, that is uh, part of a movement to reach cities, metropolitan areas, all over the place that was influenced more by Tim Keller than anybody else. I'm so grateful for that. And then his love for the life of the mind. I have, uh, this is my Tim Keller uh, bookshelf. And I think I've got all the books that he wrote. And if you're a pastor, you have that sort of thing. And if you wanted to talk about how does the Bible relate to science or how do we know that we can trust the Bible or why should we believe in the resurrection, Tim Keller was about the first guy that you would go to on those kind of topics. And then he had an amazing tone and uh, humility of voice that we need so much in our day when so many people who claim to speak for the church 
should not be speaking for the church. Um, but with Tim, for all of his brilliance, he had a humility and civility and a respect for whoever he was talking with that was profound. And so he became a spokesperson for so many of us. We're going through Genesis and in the second chapter of Genesis, when God creates uh, the man, Adam, we're told that he shapes him from the dust. And the idea there is not that it's a little dust bunny that gets animated. Um, John Walton, Old Testament scholar, talks about how in Genesis 3, that word comes up again. And God says, because now there's the curse, now there's sin and the fall and death has come in. Um, you will live by the sweat of your brow from the ground until you go back into it. For from dust you came and to dust you will return. Dust is a picture of our mortality. And uh, in Psalm 103, we're told in, in the same vocabulary, for God knows how we are formed. He remembers the weird dust. I first heard that teaching about dust at a BioLogos conference that was looking at issues of science and faith. And John Walton spoke there. Francis Collins, maybe the most famous sci Christian scientist in the world, scientist who is a Christian spoke there. That was remarkable. N.T. Wright, maybe the most influential theologian, New Testament theologian in our day. And uh, uh, Tim Keller was there. And when Tim got up to speak, there was kind of a weight behind his words, because we all know in some sense, God just raises different people up and he was kind of speaking for us. And we were so grateful. It's interesting that word dust, um, earthiness, is so... Uh, tied to being human. And Tim talked about that on that day. Humus is related to the word human and to the word humility, down to earth. And um, I had to speak after Tim Keller. If you want to be humbled, do that. We are little bundles of dust, and yet, and yet, and yet. Another remarkable life died on the same day that Tim did. did. Uh, football player that you might know, Jim Brown, unbelievable guy, maybe the greatest football player who ever lived. Quite a brilliant guy. Went to Syracuse, very outspoken on civil rights. I met him only one time. I have a friend that worked with him pretty closely, and I was sitting at a table at a meeting, and Jim Brown came when he sat down at that table. If you want to be humbled, have your body, if you have a body like mine sitting next to you, a body like Jim Brown and this person who led a remarkable life um, also wrestled with demons of his own kind. My friend said, you would never understand Jim Brown unless you knew what it was like to go up in the segregated South in the way that he did. This remarkable life, and yet, and yet, and yet it comes to an end. Two billion heartbeats and out. Two billion heartbeats and out. So I want to read for you today words from one of Tim's books. This is walking with God through pain and suffering. And his wife, Kathy, and family, and that church, Redeemer Church, and many, many people all around the world are grieving over this. And if you're not grieving over his death, there is loss, there is pain, there is trouble in your own life that you will. So he writes in this book about Isaiah, and Isaiah talks about a servant who was to come. And says, 
these very tender words, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not stuff out, until in faithfulness he brings forth justice. Tim goes on, the Hebrew word translated as bruise does not mean a minor injury. It denotes a deep contusion that destroys a vital internal organ, in other words, a death blow. If applied to a person, it means an injury that doesn't show on the surface, but it is nonetheless fatal. When it refers to a bruised reed, it means a stalk of grain that is broken at an angle, not in the two pieces, but because it has been thus broken, it is never going to produce grain. And we are the fellowship of the withered hand, and we understand what it means to be broken, to receive a death blow that might not show on the outside, but you're never going to produce what you thought you were. He goes on. In Matthew 12, it is said, Jesus will not break the bruised reed or snuff out the dying candle. It means Jesus Christ, the servant, is attracted to hopeless cases. I am so glad to hear that. Jesus Christ is attracted to hopeless cases, for I am one. I am a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. He cares for the fragile. He loves people who are beaten and battered and bruised. They may not show it on the outside, but inside they are dying. Two billion heartbeats and out, but there is hope. Tim, on his deathbed this weekend, his son said he just wanted to go to Jesus. And he wrote about the hope of the resurrection. He wrote in one of his books about Dwight Moody, the evangelist back in the 1800s, when he was near the end of his life, said to a friend, soon you will hear that Dwight Moody has died. Don't you believe it? I shall be more alive then than I have ever been. He wrote about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great follower of Jesus who was martyred for his faithfulness by the Nazis in World War II. In his final words, when he was being led to the gallows, he pulled a friend aside and he said, this is the end, but for me, it is the beginning of life. For the God who formed you out of dust is capable of reforming you. The God who created a place for you in this world is fully capable of creating a place for you in the world that is to come. And now Tim knows. I'll often think about that. When somebody dies, we look through a glass darkly. We always wonder in this life, but the day is coming when we know. Dallas knows. Tim knows. One day I will know. One day you will know. Two billion heartbeats and out and then there's a new beginning end of teaching beginning of your day with God